We are back, and tonight we've got an interesting episode uh, to kick off episode 12. Tonight we're going to talk about why each of us, at some point in our lives, left E-Town. And uh, so I'll let you kick it off, my friend, and let let you tell your your story as to what what caused you to venture out from Hardin County and, and, and your side of the tracks. How long do you have to listen to this? <laughs> no, it's it's all it's all good. We know our each of our stories could probably be lengthy, uh, <laughs> but uh, but hey, tell your story. I mean that that's why we're here to share. And uh, so tell your story. And, uh, and all right, cool. Let let, let let folks know your your mind and your thoughts at the time. So it's all good. Oh, thank you, thank you very much. Well, I tell you what, it all started because of. Graduation from Elizabethtown High School in June of 1975. Well, to make a long story short, I was going to go to Western Kentucky University, applied, had gotten in, and my parents just could not afford for me to go to Western. You know, I could, they could pay tuition. But everything else just was not going to happen. No books, no room and board, no transportation. Because, you know, back then I drove my parents' car when I had to drive. So to get to Bowling Green from E-Town was going to be a task. So my thoughts were at the time, you know, we had just finished the war in Vietnam in April of 1975. And my thoughts were, well, it's probably not going to be another major war anytime soon because, you know, Vietnam had divided the country so, so much. So my thinking was, well, I could go into the military, then I could do my four years or whatever, come out, get the GI Bill, and then move on with life. So those were my thoughts. Now, I didn't want to go into the Army. I didn't want to go into the Air Force. I didn't want to go into the Marines. <laughs> and I believe it or not, I saw a commercial on TV with the Coast Guard and said, you know, and he said, lifesavers, the lifesavers, the United States Coast Guard. And there was a guy in a, in a, a small boat, and he was jetting across the water, you know, and I said, that would be pretty cool. So I decided well, I'm going to go into the Coast Guard. And and that was in July of 75. By August of 75, August the 11th, as a matter of fact, uh, after, you know, the physicals and all that that goes on, I went up to uh, Louisville and passed the physical. And actually, I had to kind of cheat on the physical because I did have a knee problem. And I I hurt my knee in the sectional uh, sectional basketball game, a district basketball game. And I was just doing a warm up layup and I went up and came down and something happened. So I had to fake my way through that, pass the physical and they had to do it. We had to do a duck walk and they talking about painful. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) And my knee was hurting and I, I made it through it. And then on August the 11th, 1975, I was sworn in. And the curious thing about halfway through my ceremony of being sworn in, I stopped and I paused for a second. My mind was was thinking like, damn, I could die for my country. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so I paused for a second and then went, "Okay, I'll be all right. So I was sworn in about two o'clock that afternoon. Three o'clock, I was on a, a plane headed to San Francisco, and that was went right ahead into the uh, Coast Guard. And uh, after the Coast Guard, I spent you know four years in. I spent um, like three years totally in Texas, either in Brownsville or uh, Padre Island. I was on a ship for a year. I spent a year and a half in Italy. Believe it or not, the Coast Guard is in Italy. Wow. And um, came back from Italy and went back to South Padre Island, was on a small boat station, spent a year there. And then I spent my last six or seven months in a 
Marine Safety Office in Brownsville, Texas. So I, you know, got out of the Coast Guard, came back to E-Town and um, went out to ECC for a semester and then transferred to Eastern. And at Eastern, I was there for about three and a half years. And while I was there, I met Lynn. Uh, and um, we got engaged in November of 1983 out at Freeman Lake. Like I talked about that before. Yes, yes. And um, in September of 84, we were married. And the weird thing is that, and, and I, I should go back a little bit, make this long story longer is that I had graduated from Eastern uh, in December of 83. Lynn was still in school. She had one more semester to go. And so I came back to E-Town, and I was subbing in the Elizabethtown Independent School Districts, and I was subbing in Hardin County schools. And so I got my teaching degree, and I went back to E-Town High School and to sub. And the first day that I walked into sub at E-Town High School, Mrs. Ash, the secretary, I walked in and she looked at me and said, Steve Johnson? And I said, how you doing, Mrs. Ash? And she looked kind of puzzled. I said, what's going on? She goes, you're a teacher? And I said, I said well, yes, ma'am, I'm a teacher. I said, we all do grow up after a certain amount of time. And, you know, I've changed a little bit. And now, yeah, I'm, I'm here to sub. She goes, well, I'll be damned. <laughs> So I went and I think I went and subbed for um, I don't remember who I subbed for, but I, that was the beginning of me subbing. And then um, in September of that next year, Lynn and I got married and we moved to E-Town over there off of Main Street. There's a new little uh, apartment complex. And so I was subbing and helping James Hare coach the freshman football team. And um some kid came up to the to the um, football field at TK Stone and said, uh, "Coach Johnson, uh, your wife needs you. She's she she needs you like right now." I'm like, "What the hell happened?" <laughs> I thought maybe she had fallen or somebody had died, and so this was October of 1975. I mean, I'm sorry, 1984. So I rush home and I get there, and she says. Hey, there's a Dr. Mosier from Indianapolis who said that he had interviewed you back in December and wanted you to come up to Indianapolis and apply for a job. I went, is that all? I thought you were dead. <laughs> <laughs> so so we, uh, I called him back and said, you know, there's a job open after the first nine weeks and this was in yeah, October of 1984. We had been married for a month. We got married on September the 15th. And on October the 12th, uh, we went up, interviewed, came back, and we sat down. You know, because Coach Barrett was thinking about retiring. Right. You know, we thought that maybe we can wait around for him to retire. Uh, but he wasn't sure if he was going to retire or not. And we had just been married and it's like, wow, what do we do? Do we wait for him to retire stay in E-Town or do we take, take the opportunity, move to someplace we've never been before and opportunity was knocking and let's see what we can do. And so we literally, we wrote out, you know, piece of paper, pros and cons, one side and the other. And we said, well, let's go up for the interview and went up for the interview. And he said, well, we want to offer you the job. Can you start on Monday? I went, what? <laughs> Monday? <laughs> I live in Elizabethtown, Kentucky. Wow. I can't start on Monday. You have to give me at least a week. Didn't know anybody in town. Had no place to stay. And we had, in a week's time, had to come to Indianapolis, find an apartment, and then get moved to Indianapolis. And we moved into, actually moved into Greenwood, Indiana on October the 19th, 1984, not knowing anybody in town. 
And so that was the beginning of us, you know, coming in Indianapolis, and we've been here ever since. Wow. Yes, that, that's my story in a nutshell, Amazing. small version. Amazing. Amazing. I yeah. always wondered, I always wondered, you know, the Coast Guard, because a lot of folks in E-Town were, you know, had served in the military, but you didn't hear a lot of people, I don't know of anybody other than you, that actually went into the Coast Guard. So it was surprising. It's like, wow, the Coast Guard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you know, my thinking was my dad was in the Army. He was a career guy. You know, my older brother, Ralph, was in the Air Force, and he had some issues with the Air Force. I said, I want to do the Air Force. And so, you know, I wasn't going to be a Marine. There's no way in hell I was going to be a Marine. And I didn't want to be in the Navy because they were, you know, just gone too much. I said, the Coast Guard seems like, hey, it was going to be pretty cool. And, you know, it was it was something different every day being in the Coast Guard. It was, you know, it was search and rescue was the main mission, you know, but we got into drug interdiction and yeah. illegal aliens. We There was something different every day. Wow. And then once again, I was able to go overseas and spend a year in Italy and travel throughout Europe. And, you know, here's a small town kid from E-Town who's traveling the world. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yep. How about you, man? What what absolutely. what led you out of? Well, my story is a little different than yours. As you say, we graduated June of 75. And, uh, you know, I I was a wayward soul, man. I'm just going to tell you, I was a wayward soul. I didn't actually leave E-Town until about six years later in 1981. So while you were out serving in the Coast Guard and doing that kind of stuff, I was still in E-Town. Uh, doing my thing. I, I was still DJing around town, uh, working, you know, odd jobs. I think the last uh, actual job I had uh, before I left E-Town, uh, you might remember the shopping center on your side of the tracks. There's a shopping center out there where Houchins is now. There's oh, a, yeah. The grocery yep. store, right? So at the time, there was an S&H green stamp store <laughs> yeah. out there, right? Yep. So uh, I ended up getting a job working at that S&H Green Stamp store. Actually, it was a really cool job. You know, stocked the shelves. We empty, you know, the trucks came in every Tuesday, unloaded. We unloaded all the stuff that came in to put on the shelves, worked the counter. Folks come in with their books of stamps, and you count the stamps and go in the back, get their stuff. You know, it was really cool. And I worked for a really cool lady uh, that, that was my boss at the time. I can't remember her name. I can see her face. I can't think of her name. But that was the last job I had, um, you know, before I decided to to make the move to see, you know, uh, you know, what, what what's really going on outside of E-Town? You know, is, is there more to see? And uh, so at the time, my younger brother, Ricardo, he had already left. Believe it or not, I'm the older brother, but he left before me. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so he had joined the Air Force and, and he had come home from in between that basic training, you go to tech school in the Air Force, and then you have that break where you come home. And I'm like, you know, hey, the Air Force seemed to be doing pretty good by him. So I'm like, maybe I'll think about the Air Force, you know? And I was I was anti-military because, you know, like you said, Vietnam had divided the country. Uh, I was just not into the military. And there was, a, there was a brother around town. You might remember this guy, or you might have been gone. But there was this brother in E-Town. His last name was Caps. He was a Navy recruiter, and he always used to be down at the Litchfield Road ballpark trying to recruit people into the Navy. Uh, he had a son who drove around E-Town, had a, a El Dorado. I think he had an El Dorado, had speakers mm-hmm. on the outside of the car, and he'd ride around E-Town, man, playing music through his stereo. The <laughs> the I mean, you knew he was coming because you see this car and you hear the music whatnot. But he was always trying to recruit people for the Navy. And I'm like, nah, man, I'm, I'm not interested in the Navy, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, ah, you don't want to leave home. You know, I'll leave your mom and all this stuff. Nah, man, I'm just not interested in the Navy. I'm not interested in the military, right? Because I was just like, nah, I ain't doing that. But it's amazing how things change. Because you see that, like, wow, this is doing all right by uh, by my brother here. Maybe there's a, maybe there's something in this Air Force thing. So I go take the test, and I pass the test, 
And the guy says, okay, you're, you passed the test. Uh, when do you want to go up and take your physical and do everything you got to do? And we'll swear you in and we can get you a date to set up. You can go to basic chain, be gone. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll do it on this date. <laughs> well, as close as that date got, as close as we kept getting to that date, I'm like, ah, I don't know if I want to do this or not. <laughs> so I backed out the first time. I backed out. I went and told the guys, like, ah, I changed my mind. He's like, well, your test scores are good for like 30 days, you know, if you change your mind. So, you know, at, at the time, um, my wife currently now, Cynthia, we, we were dating and, and hanging out. We were having a good time and, you know, things were progressing. She was in school at Western. I was living in E-Town doing my thing. And, um, you know, there comes a time when you realize, you know, this is a nice girl I'm hanging out with. I got to step up my game to meet her level. And so I'm like, let me rethink this Air Force thing because, <laughs> you know, I got I got to have a job if I'm going to, you know, think that I can hang with her, you know. So went back, told the guy, hey, I, I'm in. When, when when can I go? So he set me up and I go up to Louisville like you go up to Louisville, take the physical, didn't have any problems with the physical. And they said, OK, um, come back this date. We're going to swear you in and off the basic training you go. So went, told the folks. I'm leaving, going in the Air Force. They were shocked because they thought. Hey, yours too? <laughs> yeah, they're like, I'm never going to leave E-Town, you know, whatnot. But uh, I think they understood that, that there were other factors driving that decision, and uh, and they respected that. So uh, date comes. I drive up to Louisville. I don't drive. I catch the bus up to Louisville, the Greyhound bus station out there on uh, the other side of town, and uh, catch the bus, go up to Louisville swear in and everything spend the night in the hotel and the next morning i get up and i'm on a plane to san antonio texas never been on an airplane before in my life <laughs> and flying to san antonio texas for basic training uh spent about six weeks in san antonio uh that fifth day I i'm thinking like what the heck have i got myself into <laughs> yeah. you know it, basic it, make oh, that happen god i mean what have i done you know but uh, it was it was do or die because I'm like, I, I got to do this because, you know, it, it's time to see what you're made of. And so uh, finished basic training, survived, went on to uh, to school, uh, technical training school in another part of Texas, uh, Wichita Falls, uh, the Shepherd Air Force Base. And I spent about nine weeks there uh, learning my job that I was going to be doing in the Air Force. And uh, lo and behold, uh, when we get about a week or so from graduating from school, we get our orders. And half my class was staying in the States. The other half would go overseas. And so I'm thinking like, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to get to stay in the States. And Wright Patterson Air Force Base was the closest base to Kentucky. And I'm thinking, well, maybe I'll get assigned to Wright Pat. I'll be, <laughs> you know, but that didn't happen. I ended up in the half of the class that got sent overseas. And so when I get my orders, I uh, my first assignment was supposedly going to be to Reykjavik, Iceland. Oh, man. Reykjavik, Iceland. And I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> so I go home and I call, call my mom, call my parents, say, hey, I got my orders. I'm going to Iceland. My mom's like, what? <laughs> I say, yeah, Iceland. You know, and she's like, oh, wow. She said, is, you know, you know how moms are. It's like, was that, is that going to be safe or whatnot? I'm like, I've never been to Iceland. I have no idea. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but anyway, I'm going to Iceland. So we're on break. You know, teacher gives us a break. We go on break. We come back from break. And he says, um, yeah, Herman Nelson. He said, I need to talk to you. He says, uh, your orders have been changed. And I'm thinking like. Oh, wow. I'm going to stay in the States. Maybe I'll get right back. Right. No, nope. he said, no, nope. you're still going overseas this time. Your order has been changed. You're going to Athens, Greece. Whoa. And I'm like, whoa, this is <laughs> you, you sent me to Iceland. Now I'm going to Greece. Right. So I told him, called my back. I said, hey, my order's been changed. I'm going to Athens, Greece. And so there had been a lot of people at the church that had been on vacation in Greece. And they're like, oh, your son's going to love it over there. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. Blah, blah, blah. And uh, I did. That was that was the first time I had been out of the continental United States. And uh, Athens, Greece was gorgeous. It's everything that we had studied. And if you, you know, if you studied 
you know, and, you know, history, you know, the Parthenon and all the stuff that's around the Greece, you know, marathon, Olympic games, all that stuff. Well, it was there. And I saw a lot of that firsthand. And I'm like, like you said, I'm a small town kid from E-Town, Kentucky. And I'm like, I'm seeing this stuff for real. And it was mind boggling. So I spent pretty much all my career in the Air Force, half of my career overseas, uh, Greece, Turkey, Japan, uh, temporary duty assignments, wherever I was stationed overseas. I'm going to other places either for business or we're traveling and going to see things. So it was definitely eye opening uh, for me. Uh, again, a small town kid from from Kentucky who had never been out of E-Town, never been out of Hardin County, never been out of the state for the most part, except to visit relatives in Indiana and down to Memphis uh, to visit cousins and relatives down in Arkansas or, or Memphis. Uh, but it was eye opening. And uh, I did that for 20 years. I was a career Air Force person, uh, retired in um, 2001, right before 9-11. Uh, I retired. I was actually uh, getting ready to retire, out-process the Air Force uh, when the planes hit the towers on uh, September the 11th. And so there was some up in the air whether or not I was going to have to stay on active duty, uh, whether or not they were going to release me because I had already processed for retirement. Uh, Fortunately, I didn't have to stay uh, and I I was able to leave. But in between that, um, Cynthia and I, we got married pretty much. uh, I think we got married a couple of years after you guys, we got married in 1983, and um, you it know, was before us. Before you guys, okay. Yeah, yeah. Got married in 1983. There, um, uh, Reverend Bishop married us, and uh, yeah, yeah. they married us, and we had our reception. There was a Holiday Inn out at the, out on, the on the other side of the tracks, out toward uh, going toward Hodgenville, out uh, going 31 on the other end of town. There was a Holiday Inn out there. And that's where we had our reception and everything. And uh, here we are 35 years later, uh, still together, enjoying life. We've had a lot of adventures and uh, been back to E-Town off and on for different things. But, uh, you know, that that's my story. Um, and a lot of the lessons learned in E-Town I took with me uh, during my uh, career in the Air Force, the things I learned, uh, the, the, the lessons that people taught uh, I tried to do that, tried to treat people that, you know, you're 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 leading troops and you're managing young people coming in. A lot of those lessons learned uh, in E-Town were very valuable in helping me navigate uh, my Air Force career. And then now I'm I'm retired, still working in capacity for the government, still doing a lot of the stuff that I did in the Air Force. But still, a lot of those lessons learned are still being uh, useful to me today. So that's my story. I'm proud of it. And again, always proud to say that, uh, you know, I was raised up uh, in E-Town there. So we had some similar uh, uh, (laughs) stories are very similar. You you spent time in Greece when I was stationed in Italy. I went to Greece several times because I lived in the southern or my base was in the southern part of Italy in Calabria. Okay. Where the the mafia is and stuff like that. And so we would, you know, jump on a train and we'd go to Sicily or we'd, you know, go over to Brindisi. There was an Air Force base in Brindisi. Yeah, yeah, San Vito. Yep. Went there numerous times. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And so we would catch a ferry from Brindisi Brindisi over to Greece and we'd hang out there, you know. and, And I was able to travel throughout Europe. You know, jump on a train and go any place except the communist countries at that time in the 1970s. Right, right. And so it was, uh, you know, we as Americans think that the poorest people in our country really have it bad. There's no way the poorest people in our country live like kings compared to what I witnessed in Italy and in in parts of Germany and parts of France and uh, even parts of England. I mean, there's some really poor people out there. And and I was thankful that I was able to uh, be raised in a neighborhood that, you know, they nurtured us. And, you know, we were poor, but we weren't poor compared to the rest of the world. Absolutely. I know. And and, uh, just getting used to because you know, t- to be honest, when I landed in, in Rome, when I left, uh, I left, well, actually, I left Lowell 
flew to New York City, and then from New, uh, from New York, flew to Rome. And all I had was my government ID card, and I had to get all the way to southern Italy. Yep. And there was nobody that met me at the airport. Yep. So I landed, and I get off the plane, and this was in um, August of 77. I get off the plane, and there's guys in the airport with guns. Yes, absolutely. What the hell is going on? There's guys with guns in the airport. And so I kind of, you know, found somebody that could speak a little English. I got a taxi driver and he took me all over Rome and, you know, showed me the sights and so on. Because I had to catch a uh, train from Rome to a city called Catanzaro. And that was probably 200 miles south of Rome. And so I had no idea (laughs) <laughs> you know, I trusted in this trusted in this taxi driver. He got me to the train station, and all I could do was look at the names. And I saw Catanzaro, and I knew that it was a train leaving at about 5 p.m. And, and I jumped on the train, not knowing if I was going north or south. <laughs> I just took <laughs> took off, ended up in Catanzaro, and then from Catanzaro, I had to transfer to another little station called Catanzaro Lido, which was a small town near the city. And from there, I called the base, and the base was only four buildings. Wow. Four buildings. That was it. And one of the buildings had the antenna that we transmitted uh, from. So somebody came and picked me up and got on, checked into the base, and I was there for for a year and a half. As a matter of fact, my my very first morning that – Woke up and we had to muster, of course. That was the day that Elvis died. <laughs> wow. Wow. So my first, my first muster in in Italy, Elvis died. I'm like, oh, okay, Elvis died. Next. Yeah. <laughs> wow. But yeah, that was it was it was neat that somebody from good old E Town, Elizabethtown, Kentucky, is able to travel the world, and believe it or not. Make a long story short, when I came back from Italy, I was talking to somebody. I think I was talking to James Hare, and James Hare said, "Man, where did you get that Italian accent?" I said, "I don't, I don't have an Italian accent." He goes, "Yeah, you do." I said, "No, I don't." But you know, not speaking any English, none whatsoever. You know, I had, and and the base was in a non-English speaking area of Italy, wow. so. I, the very first day, I had a little dictionary. Hell, I threw that thing away because it wasn't doing any good. Yeah. And so within a year's time, I was able to speak, you know, what they call baby Italian, which right, right, said everything right. backwards. But right. I was able to get around and go every place I wanted to get to, you know. Yeah, yeah it's similar. You know, I, I uh, again, n- never left the country. And so when I when I had to fly to Athens, I flew out of JFK in New York and, uh, you know, navigated from from uh, the flew out of Louisville, JFK, get to JFK. And my flight to Athens doesn't leave until sometime that night. And so I'm sitting in JFK Airport. And while I'm there, I uh, I had a little radio or something like that. And I tuned into WBLS, man. Mm-hmm. And listened to the WBLS. Frankie Crocker was on. And I always heard about Frankie Crocker. But I'm sitting in, in JFK listening to WBLS, Frankie Crocker, and, you know, just oblivious to what's going on. And they call the flight. I go. And um, no one told me that I wasn't supposed to travel in a uniform. So oh. nobody told me that, right? <laughs> so, so I'm on the plane in full dress blues uniform. <laughs> and so halfway through the flight, it was about an eight-hour flight uh, from JFK to Athens. And so I'm on the plane, and this guy, he sees me sitting back. He gets up. He walks back. And he said, um, did anyone tell you you're not supposed to be in uniform? I'm like, no, no one told me that. He said, yeah, you're, you're supposed to be in civilian clothes. He said, uh, when you show up at the airport, he's like, you don't want to draw attention to yourself. Same thing with you. I get to Athens airport that morning. And there are guys walking around the airport with guns, with Uzis and carrying on. I, I had never seen anything like that. <laughs> Fortunately, someone was there to meet me and take me to the base. So first, I was in Athens for two years. 
lived on the base. So I lived, I was single. So I lived in the dorm. So there was, you know, you lived on the base. It was all good, whatnot. When I went to Turkey several years later, there was, there was no base. You lived downtown amongst the Turkish yeah. people. And yeah. so just myself and another American in this building. And he and I struck up a good friendship and everything. And we hung out together. But you talk about poverty, like you say, and until you see poverty up close and personal, um, it, it affects you, man, in, in a way that, um, you know, it, it hits you. And I have to tell you this story. There was a McDonald's around the street from my apartment. I used to go there. Uh, I'd come from the gym at night from playing ball. And, and that was another thing I did pretty much all my Air Force career. I didn't play basketball in high school, as I alluded to uh, one of our other episodes. But I played basketball, base level varsity basketball, pretty much all my career. And I uh, traveled around, played a lot of basketball. And so this particular night, I'd been playing intramurals and uh, come home. And there was a McDonald's around the street. So I go to the McDonald's and there's this little kid standing outside. He, you know, he's dirty, whatnot. And a lot of, you know, kids ran in packs around the city. And so this kid was standing there. So I go in and he looks at me and, and I wave to him. And I, what Turkish I knew, I spoke to him and said, you know, come on in and everything. So I go in and uh, I buy what I'm getting. And then I, you know, motioned to him. I said, you know, in Turkish, I said, you know, what do you want? And the lady, she spoke English and I said, you know, give him whatever he wants. So she's like, oh, that's very nice and everything. So he orders what he wants and she gives him his meal and we walk back outside. And so I head back to my apartment and he's there. And this lady comes up to me, this Turkish lady. She said, I saw what you did. That was very nice. She said, but the older kids are going to take his food from him. And, uh, you know, because they ran in packs and a lot of them, they didn't have homes. They were just on the street. And she said, as soon as you leave, uh, the older kids are going to surround him. They're probably going to beat him up. They're going to take his food. She said, but it was very nice. And, uh, you know, that that kind of stuff, man, it just it got to you because we don't you know, you don't see that in a lot in the U.S. a lot. I mean, like you said, people think that they're poor here until you see it up close and personal. A lot of these places, uh, it's we, we live pretty good here in the good old U.S. of A. We live pretty good. Yeah. So. Uh, again, small town kid, a uh, lot of the adventures I had overseas, man, it was it was like you say, you, it was unbelievable. Um, in Greece and Turkey, we did a lot of things through the chapel uh, there on, on the base or in the community. I went to a lot of the, the sites uh, from the New Testament sites. I went to the seven churches, went to Corinth, went to Thessalonica. We had Easter service one year on Mars Hill. Uh, I mean, just amazing things that we did that I it was like mind boggling to me because I never expected to see any of those things. Except, right, right. except in the book, you read about the Parthenon or you read about this or that. And then when you actually see it, you're like, wow, this, oh, yeah. this is mind boggling, you know, that uh, and, and, it, and you you were humbled by it. And so um, always, man, I, I always you know, think sometime I have to stop and think like, man, I'm, I'm just a small town kid uh, from this place called E-Town. And, and I've been around the world and, you know, talked to people, you know, learned their language, spoke to them, had dinner in people's homes who didn't look like me, who embraced me, brought me in. Um, it, it's, it's mind boggling. And so uh, I am grateful for that. And again, a lot of the a lot of the lessons learned were from that uh, from that baseline, that grounding uh, that I received in Eton. Yeah, yeah. You know, some of this, I think this is going to evolve into maybe a quick story time because you know I'm, I'm going to go back to my time in Italy, and um, when I first arrived there, like I said, the very first day that I arrived in on my base in. Um, Salia Marina was actually the base. At that time, it was known as Samir Kriki. But there was a German club that was probably a mile down the uh, beach from where we where I was stationed. Now, my station, my base was four buildings. It had a lunchroom, and we had, you know, kind of like separate apartments, and there was uh, the CEO's uh, little house, and then it had a an office combined with uh, an engine room, basically generator that generated power. 
But we also had a beach house that was probably a quarter of a mile from the base. And we could walk up and down the beach. Um, we go down there and we could hang out. You know, some people went down there and drank beer and, you know, just did, did normal stuff. But the Rob, there was a German club that was about a half a mile or a mile from our beach. And the Germans would come in um, during the summertime. And it, I don't know if you remember this or not, but most of Europe take, takes off in August. Yep. The places yep. close down. Yeah. I mean, every, everybody goes on vacation. And we as Americans, we don't, we don't understand that. You know, yep. we believe in just working our behinds off and maybe getting a day here or maybe getting a day there. Well, all of Europe takes off the month of August and it's paid. Yep. So we were at the German, going down to this German club. I'd just gotten there and uh, this this guy from San Diego, brother from San Diego, his name was Daryl. I, I can't remember his last name. He goes, hey, Steve, let's let's go down to the German club. Let's, you know, you had a long trip, you know, let's go get in the sauna, you know, and just hang out. I said, okay, yeah, let's let's go do that. I had never been in a sauna before, <laughs> but I was game, you know, so go down to the Robinson Club. And so we go into the Robinson Club. It's a beautiful club. And, you know, um, most Germans were very colorful. And most of Southern Italy was very dull. They wore black all the time. They were mourning somebody that died eight centuries ago. <laughs> but when the Germans came in and opened their club up, I mean, there was colors everywhere. Everybody had a good time. I said, oh, this is going to be great. So we go into um, the uh, sauna room and there's a shower room. There's like some hooks right there, and then there's a door for the sauna. I said, man, I've never been in the sauna before. He said, oh, don't worry about it. He says, all you do is we go in, you put your clothes in, uh, a locker over here, you throw your towel over your shoulder, and then we just go into the sauna. I went, what do you mean you throw your towels over the sauna? I said, do you go in there with clothes? No, you could take your clothes off. I went, I said, you go in there naked? He goes, yeah. I went, I don't know about that. So I went. Okay, I'm in, well, in Rome, do like the Romans, right? So right. <laughs> I, uh, you know, put my clothes up, threw my towel over the shoulder, opened up the door, and walked into the sauna. And it, the sauna was developed where it had like three layers one on the bottom, there's a middle layer, and there's an upper layer. And I opened up the door and I looked inside, and there were all these naked women in there. <laughs> I went, oh my, wait a minute. We're going to have to hold on for a second here. I got to, I got to adjust to this. I said, I stepped back out and said, they are naked women. I mean, 90 years old down to probably 12. Wow. And I'm like, oh my, E-Town, you wouldn't believe this. And so we go into the sauna and, you know, the Germans, most, a lot of the Germans spoke English and we carried on a conversation. I talked about everything that you can imagine <laughs> so that I could focus. <laughs> so, but that was, that was just different, you know, and when we went out to the pool, you know, people would be laying out topless, yeah, yeah. You know, if they were going to change clothes and to go to dinner at the at the restaurant, they would just take their clothes off right there at the um, at the pool, change clothes and then go do what they had to do. Yeah. yeah. That was different for somebody from E-Town. Yeah. yeah. You'd go to the beach. I went to the beach and I never, ever saw a kid under the age of 10 with clothes. Yeah. They were, they were all naked. That's true. You know, in America, we go, oh, my God, where's the parents? You know, what? how can you let your kids run around like that? But yeah. over in Europe, that was the norm. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, yeah. we've got so many hangups yeah. that the norm for most people is, you know, we think that, oh, wow, we, we shouldn't be doing that. But that's just the norm. 
And it, uh, yep, I remember, uh, you know, in Greece, first time, you know, for, let's, let's go to the beach this weekend. <laughs> it's like you walk into the beach and everybody's naked. <laughs> I was like, whoa, you know, but that was the norm. And after a while, you just like, OK, you just got used to it, you know, and everything. And, uh, you know, it, it's I don't know, man. It was just it's, it's mind boggling to. You know, listen to some of your stories and and knowing where we've come from and where we came from. And uh, and here we are, you know, we're reminiscing about, you know, world travels and everything. And, uh, you know, the reality that, you know, we're just two plain old country boys you yeah. know, from this little town that uh, that birthed us. And, uh, you know, we have a we have a, a, a ton of ex- you know experiences now to share that have molded us and, uh, and made us into the men that we are now. But it all started uh, in your neighborhood on Mile Street. It started in my neighborhood in the bottom. So yeah. <laughs> that's, that's E-Town. And, and, you know, last week, uh, speaking of, you know, there's a lot of our classmates that have moved. Yes. You know, and, and have um, gone other places and some has come back and so on. Well, um Last week, I was in Clarksville, Tennessee, visiting Alex. We went down and uh, visited him for a few days. He had just come back from TDY down in uh, Louisiana, Fort Polk. And so, uh, remember Jessica Woodard? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Remember Jessica? Yeah. Well, I had contacted her on like Facebook and say, hey, I'm going to be in Clarksville. And... Um, Monday, I mean, Wednesday, Thursday, and come back to Indianapolis on Friday. If you're available, let's get together for dinner and just, you know, just talk. Because I haven't, you know, we haven't seen each other for since we graduated. But I take it back. Uh, I think the 40th reunion, she was there. Okay. Our 40. Okay. And so we met in some uh, little place in Nashville, and we just talked. And she brought up some things that we had, for, that had forgotten about, you know, because Jessica has been had left E-Town in 1975 also and has never gone back. Wow. You know, so we were just talking about, you know, people that we knew and the events that happened and things that went on. And it was just it was just a nice dinner. And we talked about things that we both had in common because she lived on, you know, right well, probably a half a mile from us, from me on my yeah. side of the track down there on Popular Street. Right, right. Yep. And we, you know, we talked about just things that went on and how life had changed and how we had all had changed and so on. And and how she said that, you know, the only thing in E Town is the house that she grew up in and she sold it. And she was telling some stories about, you know, things that we didn't know about that was going on in her life and her friends lives that, you know, we, we just didn't know about because we didn't run in the same circles all the time, but right. we knew each other, you know, we all knew each other from, uh, you know, the class of 75. And unfortunately, right. you know, we have several of our classmates that's, that's died and passed on. And, you know, here we are next year is going to be 45 years. And, uh, we were Jessica and I was talking out that maybe that we should do something maybe every year because you never know who's not going to be there the next year, you know. And it was just it was just good that we had this this conversation and had dinner and just hung out. And she took me throughout Nashville and showed me all the country music places and all the you know places where uh, people hang out and the recording studios and so on. So it was really neat to to just hang out and talk to her and we just had a good time. Wow. Wow. That's cool, man. Yeah. It, it, it's really cool too. And you know, a lot of my travels, I, I think I've met maybe, well, I take that back. I've met several people from Kentucky, you know, you'll be places and you'll just dr- strike up a conversation with somebody or you'll have on a shirt or something. And they say, Hey, you're from Kentucky. And I'm like, yeah. And they'll say where, and I guarantee man, when you say, Oh, I'm from a, I'm from a place, uh, not too far from Louisville called Elizabeth town. They're like, you mean E town? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, 
How you know about E-Town? He said, oh, man, everybody knows about E-Town. So, I mean, you know, the place <laughs> has a reputation. It gets around. I mean, this I've met people overseas from Kentucky, you know, Hopkinsville, Louisville, Lexington, and Iowa, and they're saying, yeah, E-Town, yeah, I know E-Town. <laughs> so and the, the word does get around, and the place has a reputation, but – I do agree with you, man, that, uh, you know, time is not as short as it once was. And next year will be 45 years. I find that hard to believe that we've been out of school for 45 years. 45, brother. And I think it was, uh, I saw on Facebook, uh, Johnny Howard was asking, you know, are we going to have a reunion next year? Yeah. Yeah, yeah Johnny Howard was asking. And uh, I, I think we should, man. I, I like coming back to the reunion just to see people. And you want to see how people are doing and they're doing well and and that they're prospering and that they're healthy. And even though, you know, we may not have hung, you know, tight together, like you said, we ran in different circles. But the fact that we are of the class of 1975, that that does draw us together. and We have a bond that's never going to be shaken as long as we're on this planet. And we got some good folks in our class. You know, we were we were pretty uh, it's a really well hung together. Yes. class you yeah. know we had everybody that you can imagine uh oh gosh i forget um she said there was a was there a leon chapel in our class yeah, leon chapel yeah. yeah leon chapel well she was telling me that leon chapel he goes by charles leon chapel he's he's the general that was in charge of the american forces in the middle east whoa Wow. And I didn't know that. You wow. Know, you know, and who would thought, you know, Leon Chapel was the he was the commander of US forces in Iraq, Afghanistan, wow. and so on. So that's you know, we had a that's, really yeah. uh, good class, man. We had some people that's done the, just about everything. And nearly every class does, but yeah. we're yeah. really we're really proud of the class of 75. You know? Yeah. Yeah. We class. stand out. Amo- we stand above most. That's <laughs> <laughs> the 75. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so. proud of it. So I- I'm looking forward to it. I-, I hope, I hope the word does come down that uh, we are going to get together next year. And then the 40th was cool. There wasn't a lot of people there, but it was a good turnout. And uh, so I'm hoping, uh, you know, we at least have that many and maybe some more to show up for 45. If we do it, I think we should. So, yeah, me too. So I I'll, agree. I'll be on the lookout for that. So. So we're uh, at the top of the hour. OK, and, uh, so this was a good conversation, Wayne. Good conversation. It was a good conversation. Uh, you know, maybe give folks a bit more insight as to who we are and and what we've uh, what we've done in our lives since uh since we did uh, leave town so many years ago, uh, we do manage to come back every now and then. Most of my family is still there. And uh, I know you come down and visit. Uh, like you say, you come to football games every now and then and you still have friends down there. So we haven't totally detached ourselves uh, from E-Town. We, we still find a way to get back every now and then and fellowship. Uh, with- <laughs> yeah. Get back on fellowship. So I'm always teasing, Wayne. I'm always teasing. I tell people all the time, and I say this out of jest, that the best thing out of E Town is I 65. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's a great place to grow up. It's a great place to raise kids. But to me, now that I've uh, been out throughout the world and so on, you know, E Towns, it's it's just. Not it's not part of my life anymore. Other than going down to visit, yeah. you know, I've 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 stuck my roots. They're penetrating the ground in Indiana. I will never be a Hoosier ever, <laughs> ever, ever. But you know, uh, you know, my heart, my 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 life uh, goes to you know the experiences and the friendships. And the people that we grew up with, the parents and the colleagues that we had in E-Town, you know, two, two small country, two small country boys from a small town, you know, uh, experience in the world, adventures every day. Yep. Yep. Adventures, adventures. And uh, ditto for me as well. Um, you know, as, as you get out and about, you see that there's there's a big world out there. And, uh, you know, we've experienced it and it's been good. 
Uh, I, I don't know where I'm totally going to end up right now. We're in Colorado and, you know, it's nice out here and everything. I'm not sure if this is going to be the end all to be all. Uh, I sort of struck up a fondness for Washington State. Uh, living in the Seattle area uh, that I never thought I would like somewhere like Seattle, but I did. And so uh, I love going up there. Uh, the experiences, it's gorgeous up there. It's always green and it's just a different vibe up there. And and, and I that's something I just didn't think I would take to, but I did. So it's going to be a toss up as to where we finally put roots down. Uh, I know my mom and, and, and dad would probably like, hey, why don't you come back to town? But I'm not, <laughs> sure, I'm not sure if that's going to happen um, yeah. because the experiences now have uh, they've, they've broadened my horizons. And uh, and, I, and I think that's a good thing. I, I want the same thing for my nieces and nephews that uh, that they get out there and explore the world and see, you know, that there, there's a lot going on, you know, outside E-Town. But you never forget where you come from. You never forget your roots and you never forget the lessons learned that help you once you get out there in this big world, that those lessons help you navigate and they keep you grounded. They keep you humble a lot of times. So I'm grateful for that. So, so that said, uh, that's a wrap up episode 12. And uh, again, I think this was fantastic, man. Fantastic. Uh, we're getting a lot of feedback from the page. Uh, I saw Donna Richardson uh, commented on the page. I think Debbie Nuz commented on the page. So we're, we're, the word is getting out about what we're trying to do, and uh, and it's appreciative of folks making their comments. So absolutely. And if any of any of our uh, classmates or friends or people that uh, that we know that's from E Town, and you want to join us on the podcast, we would love to have you. Uh, the only thing that you have to have is Skype. You can download it relatively easily, and you can find us on um, uh, Skype, and then we'll. We'll make you part of the broadcast. I, I know that I've talked to a few people. Uh, Brian Russell said he wants to join us sometime. And I've almost convinced Jessica Woodward Brown to join us. She says, I don't have Skype, but she was she has some great stories that I think that we can incorporate in there. And so any anybody that wants to uh, any have any topics or anything, want to contact us, we'd love to have our classmates and our friends and family on. So just let us know. Send us a note. Send us uh, a text or contact us on our Facebook page, and then we would love to have you on here. Absolutely. Yep. More the merrier. More the merrier. So with that being said, uh, that'll wrap up episode 12, as you said earlier, and uh, we'll keep moving forward. And hopefully in the future, we'll have some some topics that will uh, keep you uh, interested. Uh, so uh, we'll chat at you later. and. Uh, Here's to E-Town. Here's to E-Town.